You're listening to the Carl Jackson Podcast. Available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes. Follow the Carl Jackson Podcast on Spotify and Apple iTunes so that you can know when there are new episodes to listen to. Tonight on the Carl Jackson Podcast, my guest, The Whispers. This is R&B royalty, okay? Like, yes. Let's get right into it. Welcome to the Carl Jackson Podcast. I am excited and delighted that you guys are watching us on the CJC Television Network. When over 200 million devices and homes across the world. So we want to thank you guys for watching us weekly. And we also want to thank you guys for listening on um, Spotify and Apple iTunes. And if you miss old episodes, you can also listen to us or watch us on the YouTube channel. CJC TV is our YouTube page. Uh, I, I can't even say how excited I am about this next um, guest that we have. We've had some exciting guests the past few weeks, months, season five is almost over with, and uh, today is no is no different. We have with us the legendary, the Whispers, um, and they have a new song that's out right now. It's called "It's Been Too Long." We're gonna play that clip right now before we start talking to these wonderful cats. So uh, let's roll that tape right now. That was a snippet of uh, the new songs from their new album that's coming. I guess that's the new album. I'm assuming that's the new record. Uh, it's a wonderful piece. And uh, would you welcome with us, welcome to the show, to the Carl Jackson Podcast, The Whispers. Okay. How you doing, bro? What's up, man? How hey, you bro. doing, guys? How y'all, how y'all feeling? We doing great. How you doing, man? Thanks for having us. Oh, oh man, it's, 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 a, it's a pleasure to have you guys on the show. Um, I am, I have to tell this story. So I wasn't uh, lucky enough to know some of the older hits because uh, for one, I'm, I'm three years old. No, it's kidding. <laughs> and then uh, two, um, I was raised in a, in a Christian home. So only time I could listen to R&B was when I was at my grandmother's house. And the first time I heard of the whispers, it was of course, Rocksteady. And of course, Miami by Will Smith when he sampled it. So, <laughs> um, so, well, but I, I, in other words, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I remember when Rocksteady came out, it was like I was so enamored by uh, the twins, you guys, because of the mustache. And I was like, these cats are cool, man. They got the mustache, the songs are banging. They, they vibing, they feeling themselves. I was like, yes, why well, can't see this at church? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, man, this is, this, now, if we had a church like this, I'd be going every Sunday. <laughs> Happy to go. Oh, man. 
So yeah. tell us a little bit about, for people who are three and under, tell us a little bit about your history. You guys have a huge history, 55 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, bravo for that, man. That's that's amazing. But tell well, us how it all started. Well, Carl, first thing I want to do is find out what your grandmother's name is, because I want to know her. <laughs> you, shout out to your grandmother for introducing you to the Whispers. Ruth Jackson, that's her. And you let her know we appreciate that. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. But this started before you were born. You yep. know, uh, that was 1987, to be exact, when Rocksteady came out. Yep. And we have to go back about uh, seven years prior to that when we had a, a bigger hit than even Rocksteady. That was in 1980, and that was called And the Beat Goes On. Oh, yeah. That's the Miami uh, sample that we hear when we hear the Will Smiths. Uh, Miami, welcome to Miami. I'm sure you guys got a brick for that. <laughs> oh man, yeah, Scotty always says that that enabled everybody to get their clothes out the cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about those those days, the uh, solar days. You guys had like a huge group of. Uh, like a whole bunch of things that you guys did with that record company. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we can. I mean, uh, Solar was kind of a, a Dick Griffey, uh, you know, brainchild, basically. And he kind of patterned it after Motown as well. He, he wanted to have artists that would get, you know, have his own studio, have artists that would get training so that when they did perform, they would have good shows. He wanted all of that so that they would be well-equipped in more than one way, not just putting out songs, but then when it comes down to doing a show, they couldn't do a, a good show at all. So he wanted artists that could do it all. And he put a, together basically a record company and a workshop where those things could happen for those artists. And uh, the great thing about him is that he, to me, he allowed the artists to be who they were. He gave them opportunities to write, opportunities to choose their, you know, some of their music. Of course, he you know, being solo records and the president, he had some, you know, things that he wanted to make sure that we do too on there, but it gave us a great marriage between the two. And, and a lot of people don't know, Dick Griffey had, had a hell of an ear for music. And so it, it allowed us to really blossom there and, uh, you know, even hone our craft because, uh, you know, a lot of times you're doing songs that you like and you have a pattern of doing things that you like us to do, I mean, the way you like to do them, but then he introduces to producers that say, yeah, I liked what you did there, but can you do it this way? So it, it actually broadens your, even your music ability because, you know, like I, I tell everybody, I said, Walter and Scotty could sing the phone book. Right, <laughs> right. And it's not like they don't have voices and they can't do it. So if you give them what you want, generally it's gonna be better than even what you expect it to be. So we were allowed, you know, and plus they were humble enough. There's a lot of artists who are not humble. Say that again. Take, you know, advice or listen to a kid that's, you know, down near half their age. You know what I'm saying? Right. They were humble enough to do that and it wind up, you know, it wind up giving us the career we have today. Talk a little bit about Dick Griffey. I, I, I'm curious to know what was he like as a, as a producer, as a owner of the record company. I actually was approached, uh, many don't know that I'm a filmmaker, so um, that's what I do to make money. But a lot of, uh, I've been approached at least four times from four different 
situations asking me would I be interested in doing a documentary on Dick Griffey. And I've always turned it down because I felt like that should be told from someone that really, really understood that era. But I keep hearing his name. And from what my studies has, have, have been, it's, he's, he's almost like he's the forgotten almost Barry Gordy. You know what I mean? You couldn't have put it any better, man. He was a, he is a forgotten. I think that Dick Griffey and Don Cornelius, uh, both of these gentlemen haven't received the accolades that they really deserve. But Dick Griffey, like Lavelle said, he was a guy kind of like Barry Gordy. He was lucky enough to come along when all these artists were, were really kind of, they were becoming who they would become. And the atmosphere was great because Dick gave them basically the, basically the freedom, you know, names that you're too young to understand, like Leon Silvers, the guy that really produced And the Beat Goes On. Wow. Leon was just coming into his own as a producer. He was the, you know, the bass player for the Silvers, which is a group, you know, again, we talked to somebody so young. No, but I know the names. Yeah. I know you know the name. Oh, yeah. But, you know, he was there. He was the older brother and he was coming into his own as a producer. And it just worked out, man. It was so beautiful. Dick gave gave us the freedom to work and experiment. You know, uh, he was a guy that, I mean, he was a great A&R guy. He could hear a hit, but he also believed in experimenting with new music. So Leon Silvers with his guys, you know, which was eight or 10 guys that came out of his camp. That was one group of people. And then later on, you know, we went to Ohio and we met Lakeside. These guys were babies at the time. <laughs> right. And Dick brought them into the Solar, Midnight Star, and, you know, later on, Baby Climax, you know, as the bill said, it was an incredible atmosphere, man, because the creativity that was going on was unmatched. Everybody could be themselves and Dick, he did, that's what he liked. Right. He wanted, you know, he didn't, he didn't have a problem with you coming in, giving him an idea. And here's this little record company, which was trying to pattern itself after Motown and ended up doing that. I mean, Solar was, it was called the Sound of Los Angeles, but all these young acts came together and uh, you, I mean, you just named some of the hits that came from all these acts. It was an incredible time. Yeah. Wow. Great thing about the competition between us was a friendly competition. Yeah. You know, we all wanted to come and bring it when it came down to showtime. So it was really nice because we would go on tour together because Dick Griffey once again had the Solar Galaxy of Stars tour. And he got, he made, he went and bought buses and everything and, and people like Lakeside, Shalimar, whispers climax midnight star we're out there on tour together trying to kick one another's butt you know but in a friendly way we every were night. Great, you know every <laughs> night it was like that and so yeah. really it was it was just a wonderful family it was like the, when people say the solar galaxy family they're not kidding about that a lot of them are still talking about it today they're still communicating some of them have some of the podcasts like you have and uh we we pay we pay respects to Solar and Dick Griffey and what he's done, you know, every anniversary of his passing and all those kind of things. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, you know we had a we had a ball we had a ball on tour. What's amazing to me uh, is he was actually one of the first as well that uh, brought a black female executive into the into the industry. Is that true or is that something I just heard? Dick Griffey. Yeah, would that be Edna? Because there were several yes. females. Yeah. 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 Edna was one of them. 
but uh, he had about three or four young ladies that were VPs, yeah. vice president of ANR. Yeah, he he believed in bringing in you know the females to, to do their thing. He felt like everybody was equally talented. Right. Wow. So talk about you guys' music. What's made it so timeless? I mean, to be able to say 55 years is nothing to, 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 to joke about. That is a blessing. So what do you think has kept you guys going for so long and brought you guys longevity? I'm probably going to get two or three different answers, but my answer to that would be that we have always stuck to, uh, there's an old saying, again, it's long before you got it, but it says, be what you are and not what you ain't. That's what we have done our whole career. We realized you know, where our lane was at, we understood it, we stayed in it. We didn't try to be something that we were not. We loved all the other music, but basically rhythm and blues and, and bebop is really where we, that's, that's, what, that's what our sticking points were. And lucky for us, we stuck with that. To this day, we're doing the same you know, type of music. And I think that's why we're still here so long. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You guys have amazing um, body of work, uh, 33 top 10 hits, 40 uh, chart singles, 20 multi gold and platinum albums. And you guys are the only group that has been on the Soul Train is I think 27 or 26 times. Is that is that real? Yeah. And that's basically because again, before your time, Dick and Don became partners. You know, when they became partners, uh, you know, this was long before, first of all, Soul Train Records, and then it went to Solar Records. Well, Soul Soul Train Records was Dick Griffey and Don Cornelius, which, in my opinion, that's why we appeared on the show so much is because (laughs) they were kind of like pushing their own act, you know know what I'm saying? Right, right. We have that record too, because we've been on there more than anybody you wouldn't know it by the day, but I mean, we've actually been on there longer than more than any other act in in the black history. Nepotism at its finest, right? <laughs> yeah. and you know what? You asked me to describe Dick Griffey, and and, and I want to add Don Cornelius in there. Yes, Dick Griffey was a guy that came from Nashville, Tennessee. Don Cornelius was a policeman who was from Chicago. And these two guys were as opposite as day and night. One was the television guy, that was Don Cornelius. Actually, his show started in Chicago. We did his show, The Soul Train Show. It first aired in Chicago. But Dick Griffey happened to be the biggest black promoter of that time. We're talking early 60s, late 70s. And Dick was promoting guys, you know, he would take the Motown acts, you know, the Four Tops, the Tim. He was promoting these guys and doing concerts all over the country. So what it made, it made a great combination. One guy was an expert in black television. And as you know, I mean, we say this all the time, every black act that's performing today should thank Don Cornelius. Absolutely. Because when we couldn't get on the Dick Clark show, I mean, I remember this like it was yesterday. You you remember as a kid on Saturday, every black family in the United States- Saturday at <laughs> if you remember that, am I right? <laughs> yeah, you know. So Don Don Kniez was giving them airplay on television, and Dick Griffey was promoting their concerts. And I say this all the time: had these two guys had the patience to stick together, because they ended up going their separate ways. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. I mean, you know, we're talking about we'll tell it like it is. 
had they been, had they had the patience to stick together, that could have probably been the biggest black company of our time. You know, but things, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. You know, these guys were different. They had their own way of thinking. So Soul Train Records became Solar Records. And they both were a success in their own right. And neither one of them, in my opinion, get their share of credit that they really deserve. A thousand percent agree. A thousand percent agree. So tell, let me, I'm curious to know what you guys think. Because, okay, so you brought up something that, I talk about all the time here at the office and I can't even say it enough how much I'm disappointed that we don't have a, a huge conglomerate black company that's in music or film. We have Tyler Perry, but I'm saying on the level where financially we're dependent on us for us by us almost, you know, right. what's your take on R&B now, considering how much now it's went, it's all of a sudden pop because you have all these people who don't look like us who are singing it. What's your take on it? What's your thoughts on it? I mean, I'm just keeping it real. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're gonna get you're gonna get probably three different opinions on that. I one. hope we don't ban your show because we're getting ready to talk now. Hey, I want to. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I run this show, so I want to hear the truth. Go ahead, Lavelle. You gonna start, Walt? No, go ahead. But you know, I I, I call. I call the music of today fast food music. And the reason why I call it that because there's no longevity in it. I mean, you're, you're not gonna see 40, 50 year careers ever again, you know? And we don't, we don't pay attention to our history at all. You know, if you walk up to just about any artist right now that's successful, black artist, and ask them who Nat King Cole is, who is Ella Fitzgerald, who was Nancy Wilson, they couldn't tell you. And to me, you gotta know where you came from to be where you're going, you know? So if you don't take homage to that and you forget your heritage, that's where you get it stolen from you. Mm. In sync, you know, and those kind of people and Justin Timberlake and and anybody that's white that can sound like they're black can come in and steal your own heritage right away from you because you don't when I went to you know when I lived in LA I live in Vegas now when I lived in LA I remember the Rolling Stones who were 70 year old guys at the time would go into Dodger Stadium that holds 40 50,000 people and fill it up for three nights why because white people revere their, their their music Say it. You're not gonna see that. Boys, the men were used to go into going to uh, Los and uh, going to L.A. and play the form there for two or three nights. Now they can barely get a Vegas show, right? There you go. Right. And to me, that's something wrong with that. You know, yeah. if you hung on to your history, you know, you wouldn't be. You're not gonna wind up being passe, but you don't do that. So. You know, that's why you will not see, you know, and I love Bruno Mars, I love Beyonce, I love all those acts, but they're not gonna have 40, 50 year old careers. No. So they're gonna make as much money as they can, which they're making a hell of a lot of money. Right. Hopefully they've made enough money and made enough moves so they don't have to be in it in this industry. But I'd rather have a legacy of well, I've been with the group 47 years, almost 48. So I'd rather have that legacy 
then be around for five years or six years and nobody knows my name or they don't care about my name at that point. So that's kind of how I feel about it. You know, our black people got to stop thinking of their acts and their, not even acts, not even their R&B side, but I'm talking about even their actors and things like that. You got to support that industry. That's what we got. We don't have much. So if you don't support that, then what do you think is going to happen? I watch, I watch black shows that I don't even like. Right, just to support it, right. Support it so they can get those ratings. I do the same thing, So absolutely. You know, if that's what we need to be, we need to think about our history and think about what we're giving up when we wind up not holding on to that at all. I want to hear everybody's take. Well, my take, my beef is this. Um, there's all types of genre of music that, that was mostly started by Black people. And what I want to see is that I want rap, R&B, jazz. I want all of us to know that there's enough room for all of us. Yes. That's my biggest problem. You know, we're getting ready on the 16th of this month. We're going to do a birthday party for Snoop Dogg. Yeah, 20th, yeah. And what I like about Snoop Dogg, if you're young enough to remember, the jazz people years ago, had Bill Cosby in his prime. He was their spokesman. Exactly. You remember. Snoop Dogg has taken on that same role. Yes, he has. Yes. Because although he's a rapper, he has, as Lavelle said, he reveres rhythm and blues. He likes the dramatics. He likes the OJs. If you meet Snoop, he's one of the greatest rappers that ever lived. Absolutely. His knowledge of R&B is just like mine. And he's got to be 25 years younger than me, which tells me that he accepts the idea that there's enough room for both of us. You know, Jay-Z, oh man, we admire him from afar. I've never met Jay-Z. I can't tell you how proud I am of Jay-Z, Snoop, Dr. Dre, but they don't, like Lavelle just said, they don't revere, they don't look back on R&B. You know what they could do for R&B if they just wrapped their arms around them? Exactly. There's enough here for everybody. Don't nobody have to say, hell no, no, you old, man. We got to stay away from you. That's going to make me look bad. You can't think like that. Come on. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. That's my take. And that's my gripe. You know, if we could just come together, man, Black people have created the greatest artistic thing that ever lived called music. Yes. Started by people that look like everybody in this picture. Right. That's true. And that's something we should be proud of, man. And we should stick together as a team to promote it. Mm-hmm. That's my take. Yes. Yeah. And he's right. Because when you look at like Alicia Keys, she went and got the moments, had them sing on her stuff. She reached back. Those are the kind of people we met. Bruno Mars is doing a great job. He's taking a lot of old school music, but it would be great if he took an old school act and did one of those hit songs with them. You know what I'm saying? So Walter's exactly right about that kind of thing. You know, there's a lot of room for both of us and all of us, you know, and let's do it. Like I said, we're doing the Snoop Dogg's party on the 20th. And, you know, that's not the first time we, he's, he wants to rap on something. He's, you know, he said, man, the heck with that's that. What it's about. I want to rap on your song, man. What you want yeah. me to do, you just call me, you know? That's right. So, yeah. 
That's amazing. What what I and mean, what's your take, sir? Well, you know what? They didn't I don't think you have enough time for me to I'm the only one that's not going to what I really feel <laughs> back on television. So but I think my brother and Lavelle put it pretty much the way it is. You know, we uh, my brother used he was kind enough to use the words patience. Mm. I, I, there's word other words better than that I could use, but I won't. Right. So you know, the main thing is unity. We, mm. we don't we don't seem to value that. You know, we see like Lavelle said, we let people come in the house and just take whatever they want. No, don't matter whether you made it or whatever. The one good thing about Dick Griffey, going back to him, that's what I loved about him. He was the one person that told the whispers years ago, know your value. Mm. Know your value. That's what, you know, among a whole lot of things that you talk about, that was the, one of the main things. That, and I say that to the young people today. Now, Snoop and his generation, they know their value because they made it very clear. I sell it out of my car before I let you just- Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I love that about them, that, didn't they? That's, That's what they said. Well, we failed that in our generation because we was too busy bowing down and, and dusting our knees off. But, you know, they didn't have that problem. And like Lavelle said, if you let them take it, sir, if you let them take it, that's exactly what they're going to do. Well, that's powerful, man. We could talk all day on this. Wow. That's, <laughs> we got we to do a documentary on the whispers. So if, if somebody else going to do it, I'm going to do it because I want to get all this wisdom. No, I'm serious because... This wisdom, my generation, Snoop's generation, we need this recorded so that it's documented That's how right. you guys, the wisdom, and because everybody's not going to be able to say that they toured for 55 years. Everybody's going to be able to say the things that they learned in terms of business being African-American. This needs to be documented. So we definitely got to talk about that. But I want to know a little bit about the tour. You guys are touring right now. Talk a little bit about your tour that's uh, up coming or it's, or it's you're on the tour right now? Well, we just started. This is a, this is actually uh, the, the second week. We've been off like for a year and a half, you know, dealing with the COVID. COVID, right. And oh man, we just super excited to get back out. And we, we think we have the most loyal fans in the world. We're so yes, glad. yes. We've been doing it for a long time. So we're now, we're just starting to get back. We just can't, we're coming with the new single called It's Been Too Long. It couldn't be a greater, a better title than that because it has definitely been too long. But uh, yeah, we have this on the schedule. We're doing some things through the last month of November. And then come 2022, we're going to be out there full-fledged. And man, we just are very excited about it. We're looking forward to getting with our audience. You know, uh, it, it was, it's been great. Scotty had a little setback with pneumonia and the doctors, are, they're not eager to let him fly. But uh, in a couple of weeks, he's going to be back with us because they're going to let him fly. So we'll be back doing what we love to do. And we want our fans, man, to know, you think you're excited? You can't, you can't have be excited as we are. We cannot wait to get back to you. And we want to tell our fans, look at Scotty. He's, he's on camera. He's alive. He's breathing. He ain't yes. COVID. He ain't in no coffin. You know, he ain't, <laughs> it, it ain't killed him off two or three times already in the last couple of weeks, you know, yeah. and exaggerate. But it's good to for people to see him on your show to know that, you know, what we're telling them, because we, we address it as soon as we hit the stage. After the first song, 
we addressed the fact that the reason why Scotty's not there, but even when addressing it, everybody thinks something's worse than what it is. Scotty's dead, Scotty got COVID, Scotty's been <laughs> on a ventilator. And I mean, we've got all kinds of stuff, but you can see it for yourself, fans. He's right here on this camera. He's doing really, really good. <laughs> and I can vouch for that because he was the second one to actually get on. He got on before Walter. Oh, yeah. And we're ready to get him back out too. Believe me, I'm ready, man. I, you know, I'm taking it one day at a time. And like I, like Nabelle said, I mean, my wife showed me, I'm not an internet person, but she showed me online where some people had me at the nearest funeral home and, and <laughs> someone, some had me somewhere else. As you can see, I'm like Nabelle said, I'm here clicking. I'm here right. clicking. Amen. Now, let me ask you this. A couple more questions before I let you guys go. Um, tell us a little bit about what it's like seeing, knowing that you have so many fans all over the world, not just in America. Talk a little bit about that. What has that been like to, to know that so many people have been touched by the whispers? Man. Across the world, across the water. I wish I could tell you, I wish I could explain where you could understand what it feels like to walk on stage live doing your songs that you've been doing for 40 years and have people sing the songs, you really can shut up because they can sing it better than you. <laughs> there is no feeling like that. I tell people all the time, I wish I could describe it, but I can't. That is a feeling that can't be even described. It's something, it's a blessing that the good Lord, when we all started now, we started in Watts, California in 1968-69 we had no idea this is when we were in the we were in the projects and the broom was a fake microphone right we had no idea we would make it sounds like it was thousands of people listening to that dream came true man we've been all over, we've been to africa we've been to asia we've been to europe we we just we can't be more blessed you know and we just don't take it for granted we think we're the most with that fact, we say this all the time. We play the trick on them because we we getting paid to do something that we'd have done for free. Right. That's the feeling that that it, that it is. Wow, that's amazing. And um, what's your, let me let me end with this. What is your hope for the future? I was gonna do a top five, but I'm not gonna do that today because this is this is legendary. And I'm not gonna mess it up doing some goofy young people stuff. So, what is your what would you want to see happen moving forward in the future um not just in the world but just in music what what would be your heart's desire every one of you can have a last word on this wow well probably for me i would like before i leave here to be able to feel like our fans make us feel like we you know like we uh how can i put it that they love us, you know, we know we have a fan base that's, you know, second to none. But we also like to know that the industry recognizes what we've done to be in any business or any job for 55 years and have the body of work that we have. I would like the, the music industry to recognize that, you know, I mean, uh, I think we're, we're good. If, if you're not gonna give us a Grammy, then give us an honorary Grammy. I want that, you know, uh, we, we deserve, I just saw the Shy Lights got, their star on Hollywood Walk of Fame. I think the Whispers deserve a star. Yes, absolutely. And I like to see things that when my grandkids, my great grandkids go up, they could walk up there and say, on the ground, that's 
that's dad's, you know, that's my grandfather's group, you know, that's and my children, you know, same thing. So I would like to see that. I mean, we've just about accomplished everything we want in the music industry, but we still trying to get another mega, mega, mega hit. I mean, we would love to have that too, but I'd like to be recognized, you know, the group to be recognized for what they've done, you know, over 55 years. And I think we, we deserve that. Absolutely. Well, my thing, I'd love to collaborate with some young people today. My biggest dream is, uh, like I said, there's enough room and there's enough money for all of us if we think and have enough respect for each other. My dream would be, man, you know, I've never met Jay-Z. I'd love to meet him. I'd like to sit down and explain to him what our feelings are about rhythm and blues. We value, we love rhythm and blues. We've never tried to be nothing that, that we're not. You know, we sing rhythm and blues. He's a rapper, you know. I love to, to collaborate with the jazz people. Scotty and my dad brought me and Scotty up in the world of jazz. When we came up, you know, people like Ella Fitzgerald and Miles Davis, Lambert Hendricks and Ross, that's who we came up listening to. And then my father got mad when we started, he, we departed for R&B. He said, what is that? You know, because he, he thought jazz was, was it. You know, but I want it all to come together, man. That would be my dream is a collaboration with people that are younger than us. So I want them to listen to us and we want to listen to them. Mm. That's what I'd like to do. Yeah. Bruno Mars would be one of my favorite people to work with because he's right up the alley. He mean, a lot of things that he's done. Huh? Bruno Mars. Bruno, gotcha. Yeah, he's, he's kind of done a lot of things like, you know, that we've done. He's kind of patterned some of his copy, basically. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Scott, <laughs> 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 to be nice. <laughs> no, no, I'm not gonna be nice. I, I think young people should pay homage to you guys, but I don't think they're supposed to um, plagiarize. You know what I mean? I think they're supposed to give honor to whom honor is due. Even uh, we give honor to everybody. Uh, in every industry, but when it comes to R&B, we feel like we we are it's ours, and it's and, and it feels that way because you guys did, did such a great job making the music, but we we, we still must honor. Oh, so you're right, Carl. I agree with you, my friend. Must honor, Scotty. Uh, my last thought would be it's kind of like what Rebel was saying. The only thing I would say, whatever you're gonna give us whispers, I want mine now. You know, I've seen him <laughs> after, after he did. He was great when he was alive. I don't want to hear that. Right. I ain't going to be able to hear it. So give, me, <laughs> give it to me now. That's right. That's I'll right. Fine with it. Yeah. You want yours now. <laughs> like you said, we don't want to get, we don't want to have our, our kids going to get the, the, the award or whatever we get. And when right. we're around, you don't know about it. So like, yeah. you know, I would love to be here. Scotty's exactly right. <laughs> but we thank you guys for doing this podcast. I want you guys to come back anytime you want to, and let's uh, let's keep this dialogue going. And I'm so grateful that you guys took the time to do this podcast. Late, I'm so happy that uh, you guys are on the tour again or touring again. I can't wait to hear the new record. I love what I heard today, and I can't wait to hear more. So thank you guys again for doing the Carl Jackson podcast. Carl, thank you, my thank brother. You. We don't take this for granted, man. We appreciate it very, very much. Oh, man, thank you. Carl, let me leave this with you, too. You said yes, sir. Earlier, I said, I got to tell the brother, you've had a lot of offers to do, to do Dick Griffith. 
take full advantage of it, you're going to be mighty surprised if you do, my brother. Definitely. Just because you said it, I'm doing it. Honestly. Yeah, right. yes, you're gonna find you know well, when you see the nuggets that you're gonna get when you when you see that and you start interviewing all of the artists, you're gonna be like, wow. Would you guys be would you guys let me interview you guys for it too, the documentary? Absolutely. Right. Okay. We definitely yeah. You got it, Carl. No question, my brother. Definitely. Well, it's done. Y'all heard it first. I'm doing the documentary. I've been they've been approaching me for the last the last year. Mm-hmm. I think I need to do it. I cause I, I have a heart for it and I'm just, I think our people and people my age need to understand what it means to be a black man doing business. You're right, right. You're absolutely right, Carl.
Thank you for watching the Carl Jackson Podcast. And thank the Whispers. I thank you, the Whispers. I'm thankful for the Whispers tonight for doing the Carl Jackson Podcast. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, you be blessed. Mm -hmm.